was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I am so excited about this word that we're getting ready to get in today into, in the second episode of our series on Vivid. And I let's, let's just jump right into it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm just excited about what we're getting ready to get into. Remember, Vivid means is, is defined as something that is producing powerful feelings, uh, and it has a clear image in our mind. And so last time we were talking about having this vivid image of things that we should be putting on and things that we should be putting off. And so that's what this whole series is about, is us seeing what it is that we are needing to do and needing how we need to function in our doing. So today I wanted to look into something a little bit uh, negative but it is something that we are all affected by uh, one uh, I heard a pastor say this before he said do you know what the biggest fish is in the sea and you know everybody was saying uh, all these different names and then he said the biggest fish in the sea is selfish I know it I know it's corny I guess you can call it a dad dad joke but selfishness is one of the biggest issues that we have in our bodies selfishness is this natural inclination that we have we can tell that we have it soon as we're born because we are all about how I feel how I can be comfortable babies don't cry when they have everything that they want right they only cry when they want something and they're not getting it they don't cry when their diapers dry because that's what they want but as soon as that diaper get wet they start letting you know that it's wet when they're hungry they, and then as they get older, if it's a toy that they like, they won't, you, say, you can say share all day long. They're not trying to share because we have this tendency, this propensity to want to do it our way, have it our way. And that is just something innate within our nature. We have to teach these characteristics about being a citizen about being a sharer we have to teach these things in order for folks to function in a community so selfishness is just something that is innate in us it's uh some folks would even probably say that it's instinctual instinctual to us to be selfish because we want to preserve ourselves. darn brought up the survival of the fittest and that's just selfishness that's really what it was being able to forget everybody else and to take care of myself so we have this mindset of selfishness and selfishness what it does it can drive us to hurt others to get what we want we've heard about people that have been climbing up the, the corporate ladder and they've done everything to just knock everybody else off the ladder and just do all these things and cause all these problems 
just in order to make themselves look good so that they can get up higher on the ladder. And so we want to talk about that. But see, where we run into the situation, the gospel, what Jesus declared was that we should have a mindset that challenges us to want to be a help to others. He broke it down like this. He said that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our souls, our strength, and we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, which means that we should have as same level of love that we have for ourselves being selfish for all those around us to want to be a help around them. And in that story, they say, well, who is our neighbor? I mean, that just shows how they were trying to quantify this, how to qualify this so that they could maybe do it, but still have their selfish intention. And that's when Jesus had to give the story of the Samaritan. So we want to be all that God has called for us to be, be those examples of citizenry of the kingdom of heaven by not showing how the kingdom of this earth operates which is take care of me don't worry about nobody else but we want to show this love towards others so that they can be at a greater level than they currently are back in the days of early early christendom the folks were drawn by the love that they showed one toward another that they were not selfish that they were always looking out to help one another so that we could all be together and successful together. So let's talk about this thing about selfishness. Uh, I got a couple of illustrations that I noted that I wanted to to bring out to talk about what selfishness does to us. there's a story of an ambitious farmer about unhappy about the yield of his crops heard of a highly recommended new corn seed so he bought some of that corn and produced a crop that was so abundant his astonished neighbors asked him to sell them a portion of the new seed but the farmer afraid that he would lose a profitable competitive advantage he refused the second year the new seed did not produce as good as the crop and when the third year crop was, was still worse, it dawned upon the farmer that his prized corn was being pollinated by the inferior grade of corn from his neighbor's fields. Isn't that something? How he was trying to hoard this competitive advantage he had, but come to realize that he was still being affected by all those around him, even as he was hoarding that which would have been a benefit to everybody if he would have gave part to everybody then everybody's crop would have been better the years to follow but that's what selfishness does for us it makes us hoard things and I remember uh, somebody said a closed fist can't receive anything and so if we always walking around trying to hold on to stuff it is very hard for us to receive anything well I have a story uh, that I think is going to point this out and show 
some of the effects and the characteristics that we do not want to exhibit because of selfishness. We are trying to remove selfishness out of our lives. We want to get a vivid picture of what it looks like and not walk in that direction. So we're going to go to 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. 1 Kings, the 21st chapter. I'm in the English Standard Version today, and it says, Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. If it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Now, this is very simple. Ahab was at his summer palace, and he liked the property that was next to his palace. And so he goes to the man, and he says, Hey, why don't you, uh, I really like this, this plot of land. How about I give you a better vineyard? So first of all, he, he said, I'm going to give you something that's better than what you have. He says, but if you don't want a better vineyard, how about if I pay you for this property because it's right next to my kingdom and the man said listen this is an inheritance and more than it just being a vineyard is something that has been in my family and so no I can't sell it no matter how big the vineyard is that you're trying to give me nor can I sell it for money because this is something that is handed down from generation to generation and so this is when we start looking at how selfishness worked. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen because of what Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Now, what does that sound like? It sounds like he is having a temper tantrum. He is so upset because he did not get his way that he has gone home, gotten to bed, won't eat, and just sitting there being all downtrodden because of this situation. Now, I'm, in the beginning, I'm all for Ahab. He's trying to do the right thing, but because the person didn't want to do it the way Ahab wanted it to happen, guess what? He got an attitude and got all, you don't want to help me, you don't want to give me what I want. And so he went, and so then it, we, we go on, and, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and, he, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And so she comes in and you, 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 I know you've heard of Jezebel. But, uh, she was just a bad, evil woman. And so she goes in. Her husband is upset because he did not get what he wanted. And so she says, 
You just go ahead and eat. I'll take care of this for you. And I'm not going to read all of it, but she goes in and she sets up Nabal to be killed so that uh, they can get this vineyard. So she goes without even talking to the king, King Ahab, and sets all this up. She coordinates it. She writes letters to guys and sets up this great scheme to cause some men to come in and bear false witness against Nabal, saying that he has said some bad things about the king, and not only about the king, but he has also blasphemed God. And because of that, at that time, they take you outside with some bricks and put you down. And so this happens. And so now she goes in. <clears throat> excuse me. She goes in. Uh, in verse number 15. It says, as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been, had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise. Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the uh, Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is now alive, is not alive, but dead. And listen, and as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Naboth, I mean Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelites, to take possession of it. This shows how when we are all about us, which is our natural inclination, when we are not operating as the true citizens of the kingdom of heaven and doing this the way that a kingdom person, the kingdom of heaven person operates, it's like he, it, he didn't care that Naboth was dead. One of his own citizens was dead conveniently and now he's just like happy-go-lucky and going down to get what he wanted from the first place. He don't care. He's just like, oh, oh, I got it now. This is all good. I'm so happy that I have what I want. Oh, this is just awesome. This is awesome. This is the king of Israel acting like this. And so the point that we can bring take from this is instead of uh, Ahab being the example to his followers, to his kingdom, of God's love, they just totally took advantage of their positions and they used it as opportunities to pull in possessions for themselves. And so we as citizens of heaven, we as being those chosen people of being this royal priesthood, the, of us being those that are called out of darkness into the marvelous light, we should not try to use our position as an opportunity for us to try to take advantage of someone else. Our responsibility should be to help others to see the light, to become what we become. We are to example the kingdom that we belong to. We should example the kingdom that we belong to. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
And this is not about selfish gain. It is not about what we can do for ourselves, but how we can proclaim the name of Jesus throughout the entire world so that everyone has an opportunity to hear the message of the gospel and to turn to God for their salvation. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be trying to use our position to hurt others. We should not try to manipulate others. We should not try to use how uh, the things are going on so that we get the advantage over others. That's not how God designed this. He designed us to be a body, to be affected by every component of the body. And if we understand that, that what I do affects the rest of my brothers and sisters of the kingdom, then our mindset will change and we can operate in the power of the love that God has given us. That is something uh, that we have to lock into, how we have to push ourselves to, because our tendency, our instinct is to do it for ourselves and to make sure that no one else can take anything from us and so we need to eliminate them we need to remove them we need to do things to them so that they cannot take from us but that we can have everything that we want even if it causes us to kill them by saying things against them or causing gossip or lying or doing anything that's necessary for us to get what we want that is not how we operate in the kingdom of heaven. I want to challenge you to read the whole 21st chapter of that first king, and you will see that Ahab did not get away with it. He thought he got away with it, but God chastened him, corrected him, and told him that because of how he acted, that there, there, were, there were some things coming up. There were some consequences to this decision. Because in the court of law, he would have been considered complicit in the crime. But we're not going to go into that. And so when we look at this and we put it up against how Jesus did business, we see that Jesus being the king, he was, he was the king that was come away, that had come to take away the sins of the world. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He was all this stuff. Instead of him using his position to take from others, he being the king also became neighbor, the man that was falsely accused and was crucified for our situation. So he being the king sacrificed himself his position so that he could cause us to be in a better condition. And so we have to realize that if we look at how Jesus did this, he being the king allowed himself to become neighbor, to become the one that was falsely accused and gave his life so that we, his people, could follow after that process so that we could be those witnesses to others that our kingdom mindset is not of this earth but is of heaven and that we're showing how much we love 
other people because the Bible says that greater love have no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And so when we look at this, we can see how selfishness not only causes uh, situations, but let's look at, let's look at the, the level of effects. First of all, Ahab wanted this property, which was not a problem until he started acting like a little kid. And then his evil wife Jezebel, she conspired uh, against Naboth. He, she uh, figured out how to get it done. She called on some of the men of the city, caused them to be co-conspirators, caused them to commit perjury, then caused them to create an, uh, 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 an environment whereby they would be considered, today they would be considered uh, the executors of a murder because it was done under false pretenses. So selfishness can cause this ripple effect of how awful it can be because it not only affects us but it causes other things to happen other levels other people to be affected by and what happens is it then becomes this infection in that it once people see especially those that those conspirators once they see the benefit I'm using air quotes on that the benefit of what it is to be deceptive to be manipulative and all this other stuff, it causes it to grow. It causes it to get worse because they see the benefit, so-called benefit of it, and then they start to do it, and then it becomes generational. This is the same thing with what uh, we're going through in our environment today. We are seeing how because people were so concerned about themselves to the point that they were using uh, skin color, they were using uh, ethnicity, they were using whatever to try to take advantage of someone else. And then they did it so often that it began to permeate down the line. And so now we are at this point where it is just this big clashing of not only because of people's skin color, but it's also where you're from. Uh, you know, uh, you know, how long have you been in the United States? How many generations have you been in? in you know, it starts becoming all these battle positions, all this showing or uh, causing separation when the whole thing about the kingdom of heaven is causing unity, causing us to come together. And so we can see how that is why God says that we have to talk about this word when we get up in the morning. We have to talk about this word when we're walking here and there. When we talk about this word, especially to our, our, our next generation, this word should be before them at all times. It says when you get up in the morning, when you walk out of your walk out of your gate, when you come into your gate, when you sit down to dinner, when you get ready for bed, this word, this way of doing things has to always be in front of us because it is God's way of doing. 
So we want to walk in the righteousness of God, God's way of doing and being right, so that we can be examples of the kingdom of heaven. And so as we close this out, I want to emphasize this, that the way we interact with others will change how we view them as children of God. Especially if we look at them as fellow children and not as a resource for us to build our career or as a resource for us to build a ministry. But as we look at them as co-laborers, that we're in this together, that what I do affects you. What we do together gives God the greater glory. So we want to operate in a manner that shows the power of unity. In Psalms 133, it says that God has commended his blessing to where there is unity. And so if we operate in unity, God then causes his blessing to come upon that unified effort. Not our selfish effort, but upon our unified effort. Working one with another, edifying one another, building up one another, so that we all walk in the power of righteousness, all in the power of peace, all in the power of joy in the Holy Ghost, so that we can be those true kingdom citizens that show the love of Christ to everyone that we encounter. So let us look as we close this out as under the auspices of vivid, getting that good mental picture of what selfishness looks like. So that when we see ourselves walking toward that, we can say, no, that's not the way to do this because I have a new mindset because I am a kingdom citizen and I will not manipulate. I will not deceive. I will not do this in a way that will cause me just to benefit but I want to be a benefit to those around me and cause us all to be able to grow there's a saying that says that a rising tide raises all ships and that's the mentality that we want to have we want to do things that causes our whole area of our whole circle of influence to be better and not just our us ourselves this is the mindset that we want to have that we don't want to be so wrapped up in concerned about ourselves that we miss an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else because that is what Jesus did he came not for himself he came because the father sent him to be an example for us to operate in a new mindset a new mindset let's do one more and then I'm gonna call it call it a day and there's a story of these two friends who met for dinner in a restaurant and each requested a ribeye steak and after a few minutes, the waiter returned and came back with their order. He had two pieces of steak, but one was a large and one was a small, and they were on the same platter. So one of the men proceeded to serve his friend, placing the small piece of steak on a plate, and he handed it 
across the table to his friend. And he said, and the friend said, well, you certainly do have nerve. And he said, and so the guy said, well, what's troubling you? He says, look what you've done. You give me the little piece of steak and kept the big one for yourself. And then the friend says, well, how would you have done it? His friend replied, if I was serving you, if I was serving, I would have given you the big piece. Well, replied the man, I've got it, haven't I? And they both laughed. Now, the humor in this is the assumption, the arrogance shown by the guy that did the serving. What I would expect it to have happened in this situation is that he would have said that he would have gotten the uh, the, uh, the the piece and said, "Which piece would you like instead of just giving?" Because even if the person's intention was for him that the other you know the guy that served to have the bigger piece. The selfishness is seen in the fact that he did not provide the option. He didn't care about the other guy. He made the presumption that he would get the bigger piece because maybe the guy was nicer than him or whatever. But this also brings out the point that there should be a dialogue. We should be talking. Selfishness just only focuses on me this monologue that I'm having within myself of why I should be getting all this and why it's all about me and all this other stuff. But when we have a dialogue, when we're able to discuss it outside of ourselves, we can see how we can be a benefit one to another. So we don't want to be presumptuous. We don't want to make this assumption. We don't want to just assume, but we want to have this dialogue where we say, hey, I want to do this for you. I want to be a blessing to you to show that I'm not selfish and I want to do it with clear motives and clear intention so that cannot be named among me that I'm selfish but that I'm a loving, giving person because I know that if I show love and I'm a giver that God says that He will bless me and He will open up uh, situations, doors for me because I am operating as a kingdom citizen. If this message resonated with you, but you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we have an issue. Because above all the things that we need to get beyond, we need to get beyond the fact that we are separated from God because of our sin. The Bible says that we were shapen in, in uh, sin and so that sin has become a part of our spiritual nature and selfishness is one of those components of the sin nature. But Jesus said that he had come to give us life and to give us abundant life. And if we accept the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, then the power of sin no longer resonates in our lives. So what I want to tell you today is that if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
Today is as good a day as ever. And it's a simple confession. The Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so the, the calling or the declaration that you make is that, Lord, I, I know I have trans, uh, that I have trespassed against your uh, standard and that I have not done everything that you have desired for me to do and I want to change all that. I accept the sacrifice of your son. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead and I thank you for coming into my life. And if you said that for the first time today, please let us know either through uh, whatever platform you're on, let us know so that we can provide you different, uh, additional information to help you along this journey. Because this is a journey and we do this together. This is not a individual event. This is a team event. And we want to assist you in you becoming the best you that you can become as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Please do, if you've done it today, please let us know so that we can provide you with that information that's all we have for today and so I just want to encourage you to not be one of the biggest fish in the sea but I want you to be one of the kingdom citizens that shows love and compassion and mercy to everyone you meet until next time God's blessings be upon you his glory shine around you in Jesus' name.